With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Hey, as we all sprint towards the end of the year, we're bringing back some episodes from the beginning of this year. We'll be back in January with all new episodes, but for now, we're sending you our very best for a happy and healthy holiday. First, I acknowledge the fact that I am scared of something, and that's a big step. Because when we reject something, we try to come up with excuses. We're like, it's not the right timing. That's not for me. I'm not good enough. But maybe it's just fear. Maybe you want it so bad that that's why you're pushing it away. Growing up, Michelle Poehler was afraid of everything. Dogs, cats, karaoke. As a grad student, she was still afraid of everything. But she changed her life after a class assignment inspired her to spend 100 days facing down her fears and documenting each mortifying moment. In the process, she inspired many people around the world to do the same. I'm Alicia Menendez, and this is Latina to Latina. Hi, Michelle. Hi. (laughs) So after watching your TEDx talk, 100 Days Without Fear, I took inventory of my own fears and phobias. Those include home invasion, mm-hmm. silence and conversations, not yep. good at that at all, and escalators. Don't even ask what it really? is about escalators. Yes. <laughs> I read an R.L. Stein book when I was a child where someone gets tossed from an escalator, and for the rest of my life, wow. I can't go down an escalator without grabbing the sides. But anyhow, enough about my fears and phobias. I thought I grew up with a ton. You've got me beat. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty fearful as a kid. Um, and you know what? I think now looking back and hearing stories from people around me, I was fearful to my standards and my ambition. For other people, it turns out that I was brave. Because, for example, I've always been a pretty social person. I've always had a, a bunch of friends. And in that way, I was not fearful, I guess. And so for uh, my cousins or other friends that were not that social, I was considered brave. 
And for me, I was not because I was not fulfilling my ambitions. Today, right here, right now, I'm facing my 100th fear. My whole life was crippled by fear and I was missing on every new experience because of it. I was paralyzed. Or when I passed on a backpacking trip to Europe with my friends, just because the thought of having to sleep at a hostel or in a train station would make me tremble. I was comfortable that way, and the easy answer to all of these things was always, no thanks. What is it about your upbringing that influenced your sense of fear? I think two things, mainly. First one, Growing up in Venezuela, one of the most dangerous countries in the world, it was dangerous back then. Right now, you can't really even be there because it is so dangerous. If you Google dangerous city in the world, Caracas would appear. It was not the case when I was growing up, but still, it was dangerous. It was not like the U.S. where I could, because I would visit Miami every year. And I would come here and walk with my cousins and go to the mall by ourselves. That was not a thing you can do in Venezuela. So I was always with, you know, adults around, um, driving you everywhere. You can't walk to a place by yourself or take a cab or anything. Like, it's... You know, it is dangerous. So right. I've heard you say you're lucky if just your car is stolen yes. rather than you get kidnapped. Yeah, if you say if you tell that to someone, oh, my car was stolen, they say, are you okay? Yeah. So that w- what's the big deal? What? Why is it even a story? I'm like, what? Like that's not possible. You know. The other thing is the fact that my family went through the Holocaust. You know, in Europe in the 40s, and so. My grandmother actually was, you know, in a concentration camp with my uncle and my grandfather and his and their parents, which died in the camp. My grandparents were lucky because they were able to escape and they started a new life from scratch in Venezuela. But what happened is that their fears never went away. They were carried from generation to generation. So my mom was born in Venezuela after all of this happened in uh, 1955. And so the way they raised her was full of fears because what I heard is that people that went through the Holocaust, they have two different points of view, right? Some people are more about the negative, like this happened and it can happen again. So we have to live carefully, you know, alert the whole time. Other people would say this happened. I'm so glad I'm alive. Let's enjoy life. You know, let's focus on the positive things of life. That was not the case in my family. It was more the negative side. And so I was raised with all these fears and knowing that it can actually happen, that someone can come into your house, break your family apart, take everything you once own and ruin your life. At my core, I'm very sensitive, but I have spent my entire life learning to be hard because I had a sense that it was very dangerous to go through the world being a person who admitted that type of fear. My mom is a psychologist. So she would always want to bring out the vulnerable side of me in the best way possible because she really wanted to understand the way I think and go deep into my emotions. So since I was very little, I was used to talking about my emotions and it being okay, me not being okay. 
me having fears, me being sad, me being anxious, those things were okay. We just had to find out like what is causing that and why are you thinking about those things, you know? So I got very used to talking about my feelings and and being extremely vulnerable and honest about who I am. And so where was the disconnect between who you were and how you were self-presenting? So I've been always so ambitious and I wanted to get so far in life and I want people to know that. I want people to notice me and I want to stand out. But then all my fears were limiting my personality and my potential, I guess. So that was like the disconnect. And that's when I thought I have to face my fears and just be that person that I want to become. Let's talk about the actual project of 100 days. So you faced on a number of fears, like picking up a cat, allowing a spider to crawl on you, which just thinking about. Uh, Let's go through the ones that make me most anxious. So talk to me about walking through the streets in a bikini. Yeah, that was not that bad, surprisingly, because we're in New York. You are kind of expecting people to do weird things. And once you're here living, you don't even notice when people are like, you know, you're so used to that. So I was so surprised. Nobody was like even looking at me and I was like what's (laughs) happening I'm not feeling the fear (laughs) but it was like taking my clothes off in the subway and then putting a towel in the middle of the subway station and like laying there that was so uncomfortable because I was doing something so ridiculous like if I'm tanning or something inside of a subway station but other than that people would not turn around and look at me. Yeah, I have to imagine that sort of a through line of a lot of these things is you realize in general, people are not paying as much attention Mm -hmm. to you as you think that they are. They're not. It's just everything is in our heads. Now, this one makes my hands sweat. You jumped out of a plane. Yes. So I was going to leave that for last because in my mind, that was the biggest one, right? But then having that on my list was making me go crazy every single day. I was like, I need to face this fear and I don't want to see that in my list anymore. It's making me too anxious on a daily basis. So I decided to do it as my fear, something like 59 maybe. Yeah, instead of doing it as the 100th fear. And actually, I was pretty calm. It was until a point that I saw down and I was like, okay, I think we're this is high enough. Can we jump now? And they say like, no, we're halfway there. And that's when I started to get anxious. But I was like, I'm already here. There's no way back. So and I really trusted the person that they paired me up with to jump because this guy has been jumping before I was born. And he jumps like a thousand times a day, something like that. It's crazy. So I was like, what are the odds? And yeah, I think trusting in him, trusting in myself and trusting in God, the fact that I hope today is not my last day because I need to continue this project. I need to continue inspiring people. So I trusted in all of those factors and it happened. Yeah, 58 days of fear has a very different ring to it. Yeah. (laughs) You did the most grad student thing ever, which is you categorized your phobias into seven fears. Pain, danger, disgust, rejection, loneliness, control. How did you see that so clearly? It was not easy. It was towards the end of the project that I started to feel whenever I would go face a fear, like I already faced this fear, even though I didn't. It feels like I did. So I was like, what is it about certain fears that they feel so similar to others? So what I did is I put them all in uh, post-its. I wrote if I was at fear number 80, I wrote 80 of them in post-its and then started classifying them. What I realized is that we all have these seven fears 
and then you can face them in so many different ways. So I call my project now 100 challenges instead of 100 fears. There were only seven fears, core fears there. And then it was easier for me the next 20 fears that I had to face because I was like, I faced too many embarrassment fears. Let me face more of loneliness. Which of the seven were hardest for you? Definitely loneliness, control. I like to be in control of myself, of things happening around me. So letting go of control. For example, I did crowd surfing in the middle of a concert, jumping from the stage into the crowd, you know, letting yourself go. Wow, that was terrifying. But then it was so liberating. So those fears where I was able to just let go of control, those those were the hardest. And the ones where I had to do things by myself. Like I told you, I always like people to be around me, to protect me. And suddenly I travel by myself for a weekend. I started going to place by myself or move to the movie theater, things that I would never in my life even consider. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance. Hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. After everything you've done, what's your process for facing a fear? My process is, so first I acknowledge the fact that I am scared of something, and that's a big step. Because when we reject something, we try to come up with excuses why we rejected that. We're like, it's not the right timing. That's not for me. I'm not good enough. But maybe it's just fear. Maybe you want it so bad that you, that's why you're pushing it away. So this is the first step, acknowledging that it is because of fear. And once you acknowledge that, then you can make the choice if you want to you know, say no to that or you actually want to go and face it. But you know you're scared of that thing. So then it will take much more energy out of you to, to face it. And so that's the first step. And then once I acknowledge I'm afraid of that, 
I am now in this process, in this lifestyle, where I have to say yes to the things I'm afraid of. Because that's how you want to live your life or because that's your brand? Both. Because that is my brand, but because I, it's, I only say yes to things, I see the reward. If there is a reward big enough for me to like maybe change my life or achieve something that I want, I have to say yes. I cannot allow fear to get in the way. So that is like my second step, like making the, the decision to actually go for it. And then when I get really afraid and I'm like, I don't know if I should do this, like I start questioning myself, self-doubt start kicking in. Then I ask myself this really powerful question that I came up with one time um, that is instead of asking yourself, what's the worst that could happen? I flip the question around because that way to frame a question just brings all the negative thoughts into your mind. So instead of bringing only positive thoughts and focusing on rewards, you have to ask yourself, what's the best that can happen? Because when you're really afraid to do something, you're bombarded with negative thoughts. So you have to reverse that process like intentionally. And so I ask myself, what's the best that can happen? I'm like, what if I do a good job? What if people like it? What if this is successful? What if I become the next whoever? You know, what if, I don't know, like I start thinking all the what ifs in a positive side. And then suddenly that's exactly what I want to do. I want to go face my fear and get my reward. Your story went viral received a ton of media coverage. I saw you on Megyn Kelly, RIP. And your motivation changed when that happened, right? Yes. I was no longer doing this only to become a like braver person myself, but I realized that my actions had some impact in the world. And to me, that was so powerful because you never assume that you will have impact on other people's life and suddenly it happened I was like oh my god I faced my fear of quitting my job people started quitting their jobs I started getting emails from people saying oh I you inspired me to quit my job too I was not happy and I was like oh my god I have to be now even more careful with the things that I put out there because what am I saying and I have so many people looking that I have to yeah be really responsible about this now I have some power I guess and then how do you maintain the purity of the mission when you have now fashioned yourself as a brand? So I always had to just ask myself, am I actually afraid of this? Or I just want to, you know, do this cool video or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because some, some ideas were pretty cool. But I was like, I'm not really afraid of that. So, and even I You're thought... Like, am I afraid of being in a music video with Maluma? Or is, yeah, that, <laughs> right. is that just a thing I'm willing to happen? For example, what happened was my last fear, number 100th. I was approached by a big brand, Five Gum. They wanted to partner with me and even pay me to face my last fear. And I had a whole agency, like an advertising agency, pretty cool, working on my campaign. And this was crazy. I received decks from the creative team. Like I was in advertising. So that's what I was doing for clients. And suddenly I was the client. And they, and the reason why they wanted to do this with me is because um, their campaign was about the five seconds before facing a fear. So it was really aligned to my concept. And they were, they were like, we want to face the hundredth fear with you. And they were proposing ideas that I was not convinced. I was like, this is too commercial. You know, they wanted me to rappel down from Rockefeller Center. <laughs> yes, seriously. I'm not kidding. Also, they subtle. Had, it's subtle. They had another crazy <laughs> idea where they wanted to tie me up to the top of a plane, like outside of the plane, <laughs> and like 
you know, do these crazy things with the, this tiny plane. And they were not even going to tell me. My husband was like, you guys need to tell me what you want Michelle to face because I'm, we're not going to say yes if at least I don't know. And then they told him that. And he's like, are you crazy? Are we talking about the same Michelle here? Like, have you seen her? She's afraid to hold a cat. What, what are you talking about? Tying her to the plane. <laughs> so where did that leave you? So um, I, I had the courage to say no to the brand. I was like, that was that was so tough because I wanted that. I wanted the press. I wanted to be on TV and billboards and be paid thousands of dollars just to face my hundredth year. And then I was like, you know what? This doesn't feel right. I will say no to that and I'll figure out what I want to do by myself because I wanted my last fear to have much more impact than just facing a physical fear. Like I would not be inspired by someone rappelling down from Rockefeller Center. Personally, I wouldn't. So I decided to do a TEDx talk. That from the beginning, from when I started the project, I put that as my last fear, TEDx. And then I took it out because I was like, I'm never going to be able to get to TEDx. That's crazy. And then when I went viral and all, all of this started to happen, I was like, maybe I can get to TEDx now. And so we did the approach and they loved it. And that was that was my hundredth year. And that was the that's what marked the beginning of my speaking career. So I'm so glad I listened to my heart and I didn't went away with the option that was more glamorous. So when you build a brand on not being afraid, do you now feel pressure to never be afraid? No, the contrary. I feel like I have permission to be afraid and then little by little figure out how to face my fear. And every time that happens, I have new content to share. I guess my question then is, how do you do that without being like, and now here's Michelle facing her 150th fear? And like, how do you stay in your body and in your experience instead of seeing yourself as a product? Yeah, so I do not see myself as a product. I see myself as a very vulnerable, transparent, you know, person that is sharing her day-to-day experiences, even the very small ones where I challenge myself to be a little bit more courageous than I would have been otherwise. And so these little experiences, I share them on social media as a way to inspire people and to show them that they can too face their fears on their day-to-day. Are there ever times where fear keeps you safe? Yes, fear keeps me safe. Well, for example, I divided fear into three categories, universal, cultural, and personal fears. And so universal fears exist to keep you safe and alive. So we do have to listen to our fears once in a while. If we feel that we are in danger, we need to like listen to our fears. Then we have the cultural fears, right? And that's when you feel safe, when you don't show yourself as you are. You don't confront, you know, because you're afraid to be rejected by others. So in those situations, when I realize that my fear is keeping me safe, that's when I have to challenge myself the most. Venezuela is known for two extremes. You have your beauty queens, you have beautiful countryside, rich culture, and then on the other hand, you have corrupt politicians, violence, chaos. How have you seen that manifest in your family and your life, especially in the last few years? Well, I think that we took with us the best parts of Venezuela, the things that make us proud to be Venezuelan, and we brought that with us wherever we ended up going. You're a family that's been displaced twice. Exactly. So we, I think that as a Jewish person, running away from a country is not 
the first time this happens. It's not, you know, unusual. We're kind of used to that. So when we see that there's something happening in our country, the best idea is to leave because you have to take care of yourself and your life and your family and your future. So that's what we did. We had to leave as soon as we could, but take with us the things that makes us proud and that we will never, you know, stop believing in. And no instinct or desire to stay and fight. Depends on your ideals, on your priorities. So I was not raised as a very proud, um, I, I don't want to say proud Venezuela. I am proud to be Venezuelan, but it's not like I was going to fight for my country. I I am in, I lived, I was born in Venezuela randomly because my grandparents were kicked out from Europe and they were in a ship that landed in Venezuela and they opened the doors for us. So we are extremely grateful for that country. But it's not like our roots are from there, from generations and generations. That's why. Feels like a country on loan. My family's Cuban and my husband's family's Cuban. And I was struck by the fact that his grandmother, until the day she died, had a suitcase packed by the door. Because it was always real to her Mm -hmm. that at any moment she might need to pick up and leave. And I, in my own life, feel that lack of permanence, Mm -hmm. that it is hard to ever say, this is home and this is where we're going to be, because I likewise had a sense that at any moment things could change. Yeah, and that's how we feel right now. We're in this country. It's really nice. We love New York, but we are working on creating like getting passports from Europe and other places because we don't know when we have to leave this country if things go south. So what then does that mean for your sense of identity? Where are your grandparents from originally? Poland, Poland. and Romania. So if Poland's not home. Nope. And Romania's not home. Oh no. And Venezuela's not home. Not anymore. And the United States is not home. It is for now. <laughs> it is for now, but it's tough because we don't even have family in New York. I do want to see New York as my home, but it's really tough when you don't have anybody here. Just me and my husband. My brother lives a couple of blocks away, but we're all so busy that, yeah. So what then is home? That's a question we ask ourselves very often. My parents moved to Panama. And when I go to Panama, I feel at home. It feels Latin American, you know, the culture, the people, the accent is not that different from ours. And their home feels very homey for me. I have my own room there. So, but I cannot say that's home. I don't live there and I don't want to live there. I want to live in New York and I want to make a home out of New York. That is my dream. I don't know if that will come true. Do you think you even know how to do that? I I would have to figure it out. I trust that I can figure out things like I've done it in the past. And But to go back to your question, Miami right now, I think is the closest thing to home. All of my friends move there. A lot of my family lives there. And all of my husband's family, like including grandparents, like nieces, everybody lives there for us. When we go there, it's just like going back to Venezuela. Your story was recently optioned by Fox as a series. Congratulations. Thank you. Sounds exciting. Yes. Very exciting. (laughs) What are you most looking forward to when it gets adapted? I have more fears than excitement towards it right now because I'm in the unknown. I want to believe the best that can happen will happen. You know, that this will be a pretty inspiring 
kind of show because that's what I heard from the writer that they're working with. She says, I want this to be a show that I can watch with my teenage daughters. And we both laugh. We both get inspired by it and, and encouraged to face our fears. So those words were enough for me to trust in them and that they're doing the right thing. But you never know how they're really going to do this. We're going into the new year. You have learned a lot of lessons about living life to the fullest. How do you make a point of doing that mm -hmm. as you go into a new year? Yeah, so I think that you have to be extremely intentional in your life if you want to get somewhere. If you just go through life, like going through the motions and being autopilot, you will never achieve any single goal in your life. And so now that we're going into a new year, really be intentional about the things that you want to accomplish and be, I, I would say that have a good mix of being realistic, but also dreaming big, right? So for example, what we're doing, me and my husband, is we're setting one goal for the year, not a whole list of like New Year resolutions, no, one goal. So this year was about being extremely productive here in the States, working as much as possible and traveling only for work. And enjoying, of course, we have a really good life balance of enjoying what we're doing because we do it together. And then now in 2019, our one main goal is to figure out passive income. So we are not depending on me being on stage to make a living because I do want to be a mom probably in a year or two. So figuring that out. Good luck with your next fear. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, as always, for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lentiqua Williams and me. Maria Muriel is our producer. Carolina Rodriguez is our sound engineer. Emma Forbes is our assistant producer. We love hearing from you, so email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. It's one of the quickest ways to help us grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.